BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You are now tuned in to the Asian Madness Podcast a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, mysterious, morbid, and odd from the other side of the world. I'm your host, Jessica. Please sit back, relax, and let's dive into this week's topic. Before I begin this week's episode... I would like to wish everybody a happy Chinese New Year or happy Lunar New Year, depending on where you're from. So, a lot of Asian countries celebrate this holiday, not just China, but also Hong Kong, Macau, Taiwan, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, South and North Korea, and the Philippines, Vietnam, and Brunei, possibly other countries as well, and every country does it a little differently. Chinese New Year's Eve falls on February 15th, Thursday this year. Every year, the calendar is a little different. It's not set like the Gregorian calendar of January 1st. So, this year is the year of the dog. I would say this holiday is the equivalent of the American Christmas or the American Thanksgiving. Families must gather together and there's a bunch of stuff happening like having a Chinese New Year Eve's dinner, which is super important, and a lot of other rituals that I won't tell you right now because they're so complicated, and honestly, I don't really know all of them. So that's that. Happy New Year, everybody! This week, we will be taking a break from murder, kidnapping, and that sort of thing. If that is your thing, fret not. I will be back with more weird Asian murders next time. But this week, we will still be talking about death, just mostly about the rituals that involve death. As you might already know, Asia is very diverse. There are countries and cultures that follow the general modern way of living, but there are many others that continue to follow their traditional ways, and really, that's what makes it special. I will be introducing you guys to some different and maybe odd ways with how certain cultures deal with death. Five, to be exact. Some might sound a bit morbid and honestly a bit weird, so let's all just try to forget what normal is and open our minds to what is out there. (laughs) 
ชนะมาเจอมีทั้งมาอย่าชื่อกี่เยอะเลยปกอเมคอกวานันคดีนี้เด็กแม่บ้านนั่นสิมันจะจีดินดีนะยูรุ่นบุเดซายมาเลยเ
the roof of the world. Well, probably not too surprising if you know that's where Mount Everest is located. Tibet's elevation is way above the tree line, meaning trees are pretty scarce in this area, so it's not very convenient to perform cremation without any trees or wood. The People's Republic of China has pretty much banned this ritual since the cultural movement in the 60s, but this is still practiced in certain areas. Now, let's talk about Dakma, also known as the Tower of Silence. The reason you have this uh, cacophony of crows just now is they actually think that a body is being brought, and therefore they're all excited. When the body is being devoured by the vultures, the soul feels so comfortable and easy because this nasar has gone out because of the vultures eating, you see. When we have a shortage of vultures, then the problem arises. The concept in the tower is built based off the Zoroastrian religion, one of the oldest religions in the world that originated from Persia. I have never heard of this religion, so I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. This religion believes that both earth and fire are sacred elements, so burying or burning a corpse would be seen as contaminating these pure elements. Instead, they built a circular raised structure that is around 18 feet high and 300 feet in circumference with only one iron door. Once a person dies, the body is considered unclean, and in order to give it a proper send-off as quickly as possible, the body has to first be cleansed in bull's urine. Once it is clean enough, the family members are allowed to say goodbye one last time, but they cannot touch the body, as it is considered unclean. Then the bodies will be taken up to the Tower of Silence. The cloth will be disposed of, since it's contaminated, and then the deceased will be laid on top of the tower, exposed to wild animals. More specifically, the vultures. It usually takes about an hour or so for the birds to pick a body clean. I suppose it really is an effective way if you want to get it done fast. The ceremony was mostly practiced in Iran and Mumbai, India. But Iran has officially banned this in 1960. It's technically still being practiced in Mumbai, but due to a huge decline of vultures in recent years, many corpses were simply left unconsumed on top of the tower. People have been looking for other ways to handle the deceased, such as using powerful solar concentrators on the corpse. It doesn't work as quick as the vultures, but it is one of the best ways to continue their long-standing traditions of not contaminating and defiling the elements. This practice is somewhat similar to that of the sky burials, but I believe the concept is still very different. Feels like the sky burials focus on a natural way to get rid of the human bodies, but in this Tower of Silence scenario, they want to get rid of it as fast as possible. Next up, I would like to discuss a practice from India known as Sati. To put it simply, this is where a widow kills herself after the death of her husband. This is usually done at the husband's funeral, 
But before we look at the history and details, let me tell you a story about Sati. But the condensed version, because I want to keep it simple. So here goes. Sati was initially a goddess named Adi Parashakti, and she approached the king and the queen who were desperate to have children. She told them she would become their daughter under one condition, that if they were ever to offend her, she would destroy them. So obviously the king and queen agreed, and they gave birth to a baby daughter whom they named Sati. Sati grew up and found herself enamored with a man named Shiva, as she was meant to by the gods, but the king was really not on board with this relationship. Sati left her parents and began worshipping this man named Shiva in the forest. She gave up food and continued to pray for what she wanted, which was to be Shiva's wife. Eventually, her prayers were answered by the gods, and Shiva took Sati as his wife. Once Sati left for good, her father was even more displeased with her decision. He neglected to invite his own daughter and the daughter-in-law to a big party he was having, but although she was sad, told herself that her father must have forgotten to send her an invite, so she traveled all the way back home to attend the party anyway and to see her parents. Her father, upon seeing her, began to curse at her, yelling at her, cursing at her husband, telling her she wasn't welcomed anymore, etc. So basically, all this anger, well, it offended her. And remember what the goddess said in the beginning. Well, Sati transformed herself into her goddess form and cursed her father and prayed one final time that she may one day be reborn to a father she could respect. That probably hurt his feelings a little. Then she kills herself, and as her soul departs her body, the human form left behind bursts into flames. So that's where the name came from. 25 years after the practice of Sati was abolished by law, it still prevails. The Sati Anusuya Temple in Chitrakut district of Uttar Pradesh attracts a large number of devotees. The ground reality is that this devotion is used to grant sanctity to an evil practice. This so-called widow-burning practice began thousands of years ago, and it was said to have originated within the upper class. The popularity of this practice began to spread out to the general population and to other communities. When a woman's husband died, the wife was mostly encouraged to die along with her husband by the form of suicide because that is the way to show that she is the perfect, virtuous, chaste widow. It would be considered shameful if the wife decided to live on, so most widows would feel pressured to take their lives at their husband's funeral. Some were said to have done so voluntarily, while others could have been pushed to do so, or possibly even drugged. There have been records of when four wives and seven concubines committed sati when a leader passed away. And one really intense one was when 310 women committed sati upon the death of a commander named Raja Suchet Singh. That is a lot of women. When India came under British rule, it was initially accepted and observed by the British. But after seeing how the numbers continued to increase, Queen Victoria decided to put a stop to this whole practice in 1861. There is a more modern ban called the Sati Prevention Act from 1988 
that denounces the practice of sati. As a woman, I would imagine it to be a bit of a turnoff and a reason not to get married. Who knows if your husband will die prematurely, and before you know it, you're being forced to die with him. Moving on, this is a really interesting ceremony from Indonesia, from an ethnic community called Toraja. The dead are a constant presence in Indonesia's island of Sulawesi. For centuries, the dead have been sharing space with the living. Khususnya bagi ini orang Toraja itu, tidak ada yang takut sama mayat karena sudah terbiasa, sudah adat. After someone dies, it can take months, sometimes even years, before a funeral takes place. Here, even funerals are not goodbye. Eh, wajahnya sudah berubah jadi tidak ini. Kadang cuma tulang saja begitu. Is this a morbid obsession, or could it be a healthier way of dealing with the grief of losing a loved one? These people believe in the afterlife, and the soul traveling to the afterlife is a huge deal. So they will go all out when a person dies, instead of having a funeral a few days after a person dies, like most of us do. It usually is held months or even years after death. Why? Well, the funeral ceremony is very expensive. There will be music, dance, a huge feast, animals being sacrificed. So that's not going to be easy. Many families do not have the money to organize the funerals, so they will take all the time they need to come up with the funds. In the meantime, what happens to the dead person? Well. They are preserved, wrapped in several layers of cloth, and will still continue to live inside their home. They are seen as someone who is simply inactive, but alive, and their relatives and friends will continue to change them, bring them food, talk to them, and everything else. To them, the person's soul is still on earth, so they are not really gone until the funeral ceremony is completed. Here, funerals take place months and sometimes even years after somebody passes away. In the meantime, the deceased is kept in the house and cared for as if he's sick, not dead. To preserve corpses, formalin is often injected into the body. What's really incredible is that none of these kids seem to be phased by the fact that there is a dead person lying here, and everybody's so calm. So what happens during the ceremony? First of all, a lot of water buffaloes will be sacrificed along with pigs or chickens. But the water buffalo has a major significance in this society. They are viewed as a sacred animal, and they are the ones that are in charge of taking the deceased person's soul to the afterlife. After being killed, the heads of the water buffaloes will be lined up with the deceased. Once that's over, the real burial takes place. There are three ways to do this: placing an actual coffin in a grave, or placing it in a cave, or hanging it on a cliff. That's not all. There is a day called Tomb Sweeping Day. Every country probably celebrates it differently. In Taiwan, it's literally just the living relatives visiting the graves of the dead. But for these people. They take it a bit more extreme, depending on the family or their beliefs. 
They may choose to exhume the body from the grave every year or every few years, clean the coffin, check the corpse and the mummification status, and if possible, change their clothes. Physical relationship between the dead and the living continues long after death, even after burials. Once every couple of years, families bring the coffins of long departed relatives out of their graves and open them up for a big family reunion. The ritual is called matnen, or cleansing of the corpse. From the sociological perspective, that's a kind of keeping social interaction between those who are still alive and those already died. To them, death is just a physical status. The soul continues to live on in the afterlife. These villages are very welcoming of outsiders. So many Americans and Europeans like to travel there just to get a glimpse of this ceremony. Finally, let's look at something a lot less heavy and almost comical. Trust me, this is as light as funerals get. In Zhonghua County, Taiwan, Wang Jinmin is in mourning. My father passed away, so we are holding a funeral based on Taiwanese traditions. These are rituals for transcending his soul into a better realm. Inside the funeral marquee at the ancestral home, a paid mourner leads the family in ritual wailing. The family also crawls to the coffin. If all of that seems unusual, wait till tomorrow when the funeral strippers arrive. Have you ever heard of funeral strippers? This is a way to celebrate the life of the deceased and to bring more people to the funeral. I suppose more people there will make it seem like the person was more well-liked and popular while they were alive. This is something that is done in Taiwan, but was said to have originated in China. No, it's not an everyday thing. I don't think I have ever come across one. I live in the city, so this is not really something that takes place in the city. Probably in more rural areas. The reason behind this practice could be due to the following. They want to find a way to comfort the living through dance and song. Or they wanted the funeral to be memorable. Or it was something that the deceased person would have enjoyed. Here's one thing about Chinese culture. The more, the merrier. For many in Taiwan, respect for the dead is measured in crowd size, expense, and decibels. By having something so out of the ordinary is definitely going to catch people's attention. So when large crowds gather for a funeral, it is seen as a good sign, just like a wedding or any other event. Young exotic dancers will come and give a performance. Stripping is not really required all the time, but there will be a lot of dancing and singing, maybe some pole dancing, a lot of neon lighting, fireworks, and that sort of thing. If they're not stripping, they will most likely be wearing bikinis and thongs. Shuhoi Jia is one of the exotic dancers on board. Today, they keep their clothes on. But for the right price, they'll strip naked at funeral processions. 
and even by the gravesite itself. As fun as this might seem, it can be rather inappropriate if children are attending the funeral. Governments are usually not a huge fan of this kind of event, but one Taiwanese councilman who died last year in 2017 had about 50 pole dancers show up and perform at his funeral. Apparently, it was a dying wish or something. This one is really not that depressing or morbid. But being from this country, I have to admit, I cringed a few times while researching this topic. Oh my god, and the videos! Don't get me started on those. So there you have it. These are some of the interesting slash morbid slash strange ways people deal with death from the east. I don't know if you've noticed, but some of these ceremonies and rituals view death in a rather positive light. Instead of seeing it as an end to life, it's simply An end to your physical or current form. Then again, funerals can be seen as parties where you celebrate the life of the person instead of dwelling on their passing. Whether you like it or not, death is something that will eventually befall every one of us. You may choose to believe in an afterlife or believe in reincarnation. Either way, I hope you live your life to its fullest. Be kind and do what you love. Unless it's illegal, then I suggest you don't. Till next time. I would like to introduce you guys to a very amazing podcast that deals with behind the scenes and the real situations that crime scene cleaners have to go through on a daily basis. The call had come in early that morning, and we found ourselves on the road again. The details weren't very clear. All we knew was that someone had shot someone with a gun. The man who met us out front of the poorly maintained apartment building was the manager. He wore the solemn look on his face like a mask. We followed him up the blood-stained stairs to the unit at the top. He unlocked the door and stepped aside. If walls could only talk, these would be screaming. The living room wall led immediately into the hallway and was heavily sprayed with blood. In the middle of it all was the only clean space, and it was a clear outline of a body. Crimson spatter and sickly pink brain matter covered the walls and ceiling. What happened? I didn't think a scene like this could get any worse. I learned I was wrong again. This is the cleaning of John Doe. Vanessa is a great host, and her tales are definitely something you don't hear about every day. Go subscribe to her podcast, "The Cleaning of John Doe." Don't miss out. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness podcast. Please help me by rating and reviewing this podcast. If you're on social media, please look for me under the handle Asian Madness Pod. If you have any comments or suggestions. Do not hesitate to write me at asianmadnesspod@gmail.com. I truly appreciate each and every one of you for being here. I am your host, Jessica. Till next time.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.